Hello everyone, welcome to the episode 21 of Soul Lead Saturday. The guest we have today, Bhavesh Bhatt, he has been selected as top 40 under 40 data scientist. He volunteers at Google Expert Machine Learning Program. He is a YouTube content creator and trainer. And currently he's working as a data scientist at Fractal Analytics. So let's hear his career journey. How did he find his passion and leading the area he is passionate about? So welcome Bhavesh and very happy to have you on, on my Solid Saturday podcast. Thank you so much Vaishali for this amazing introduction. And I'm truly honored to be a part of this, uh, the series of videos that you kind of create in terms of empowering people who are making that transition into data science. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'll give you a brief background about what my educational qualification is and how I kind of made a transition into data science and machine learning. Uh, so I have done my graduation in electronics. I graduated in 2013. Uh, post that, I did my master's in embedded systems from mm -hmm. Bits Goa. Uh, this was between 2014 and 16. Mm -hmm. So I have had a good amount of experience in coding. Uh, I used to code, uh, say, devices or embedded systems in C, C++. That is uh, the only thing that I could code at that point of time. So I was not like a proficient uh, hard code. Uh, computer science graduate who's kind of uh, making websites and the other things that are there. So I come from more of a electronics or a hardware based background. Uh, post my masters, I joined MathWorks, uh, the company that makes MATLAB the software. Uh, so one thing unique about MathWorks and the whole hiring process at MathWorks is it is very mathematics heavy. Uh, like uh, you have good amount of questions which are say mathematics oriented. Mm -hmm. uh, they'll ask you questions on the physical interpretation of uh, eigenvalues, eigenvectors. Mm -hmm. So uh, before the whole, uh, say the hype that was that is created right now in machine learning and data science, mm -hmm. mathematics has always been part of the whole journey that I've kind of taken, be it from signal processing or uh, be it in terms of the interview processes that I've kind of gone through in terms of clearing the rounds as well. Mm -hmm. So MathWorks was my first company wherein I started my journey uh, uh, wherein my role was revolving around creating, say, prototypes or creating solutions revolving mathematics again. Uh, so one of the projects that I worked extensively on was uh, creating uh, a system, a dynamic array system, which could detect uh, where or what angle the rays are coming in and kind of move the antenna array in that direction of uh, the waves that are coming in so that maximum power can be, uh, say, absorbed in that antenna array. Uh, good amount of mathematics and a good amount of again uh, implementing this mathematical foundation into say hardware devices like an FPGA kit using Math MATLAB and Simulate. Mm -hmm. So I kind of uh, really enjoyed my time at MathWorks and uh, I kind of uh, was into say software development more of prototyping using MATLAB and Simulate. Uh, post my stint at Cisco, I kind of uh, after uh, sorry uh, post my stint at uh, say MathWorks, I kind of joined Cisco. Uh, in Cisco, I was more of a software developer. I was part of the ASR 9K router series team, which kind of creates the backbone network of Geo network, which is like a very uh, big network in terms of service providers in India. So I was part of the team which was making the routers which supported Geo the network. Uh, so I was kind of uh, making the product in terms of C, C++. I was implementing uh, the whole code base as well. Uh, along with this, this was the first time that I was exposed to Python. Uh, it was a very minimalistic level of Python that I was exposed to, like automating like a workflow in Python 
so that uh, there is nothing manual that we do in terms of compiling a router image and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So this was uh, my experience before I kind of thought of making uh, a transition in data science and machine learning. Mm-hmm. So essentially, I come from a electronics background who was working with embedded systems and software devices. Uh, programming them using C, C++, and max to max some amount of Python is what I had uh, in terms of my uh, skill set at that point of time. Uh, unfortunately or fortunately, I had a, a serious issue at my place. So I was living in a different city uh, before. Uh, so MathWorks and Cisco both are based out of Bangalore, and uh, my family is based out of Mumbai. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is when I kind of decided to kind of relocate back to Mumbai. And uh, given the kind of uh, say companies which are there in Bangalore, uh, you don't have a lot of electronics related company or there aren't a lot of companies that focus in my role or my uh, specialization that is there. Uh, this was that time that I thought of uh, giving data science and machine learning a try. I mean, uh, nothing that was pre-decided that I'll uh, kind of, I want to make a career in data science and machine learning. It just happened. Uh, things kept, uh, say, unrolling one day after the other. And uh, that is how I kind of decided to make a transition in data science and machine learning. Uh, post that decision, I kind of uh, enrolled in the course in an institute and started mm-hmm. getting a direction in terms of how data science and machine learning is. And uh, parallelly, I uh, started doing courses on my own, uh, online courses on Coursera. Uh, everyone starts off from Andrew NG's or Andrew Nick's uh, famous uh, machine learning course. So that is one course that I did. Uh, the other course that I picked up was uh, the machine learning specialization by Washington University, mm-hmm. which is again a part of uh, Coursera. Mm-hmm. Uh, before doing all the before doing these two courses, one thing that I did really well was I understood the basic machine learning concepts using a course on Udacity, which is Introduction to Machine Learning, a very well laid out course. So these were my starting points in terms of understanding uh, what machine learning is, what data science is, and uh, uh, the whole dynamics of how the field is evolving mm-hmm. and uh, in terms of statistics in terms of clearing out mathematical concepts i refer to a lot of videos on khan academy which is again a very famous youtube channel a uh, lot of inferential statistics based uh, uh, videos that are uploaded on that channel are very beneficial for beginners as well uh, then i also did a book or i completed a book end to end which was business statistics by ken black uh, which Uh, kind of gives you the right amount of mathematics that people so it generally happens that uh, everyone's good in statistics till say college or till uh, the time you're in touch with statistics but once you kind of move out of that phase of uh, say statistics and once you kind of involved once you're involved in different aspects of your work as well then you don't kind of get time to fall back upon statistics and the other concepts which are there so that book that I kind of specifically refer to uh, is really amazing in terms of giving out the right proportion of statistics which people want in order to make the transition from a non-data uh, science background to a data science background. Yeah. So that's how, yeah. 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 So the way I understood you is like, you know, you were always ready to learn new things, actually, the way you handled your career journey, as well as you were more flexible and open to the new technologies. So that is something definitely makes sense that how you landed up into the data science world and also your love towards the mathematics because I heard it like tons of time in your uh, introduction part that you know you love mathematics. So definitely you are in the right profession as of now. So um, that completely shows your passion actually and what steps did you take because you were more over like you know I feel like 
person who always tries to do extra mile. Like uh, if I found something, I would try to find out more than that. What other people know, I will try to find out more than that. So that attitude definitely helps you to grow further in your passion. So moving to um, your volunteering experience in the Google, actually, would you like to tell more about it? Like, you know, when did it start and how was it and what do you do exactly? Yeah, so this uh, program is the Google Developer Expert program. Uh, for uh, So there are different technologies that you can kind of become a Google Developer Expert for. Uh, one of them is machine learning. Uh, so I was constantly contributing to open source by creating YouTube videos on machine learning and data science. And uh, secondly, I was writing blogs on Medium as well. Uh, I'm not like a very uh, good blogger in terms of writing blogs. I've written four or five blogs and I kind of left it in my blog. But today when I kind of open, open up one of my blogs, I find that one of the blogs has kind of 25,000 views. So, uh, so that is something that I kind of uh, enjoy doing. So uh, my fundamental idea of creating content is uh, if I want to ever fall back upon a content, I don't want to fall back upon anyone else's content. I want to access my own version of content that I feel that I've gone through multiple sources and I've kind of understood a concept well. So that's how I started creating content. I started speaking at different forums as well. Uh, I remember giving a talk at an event in Mumbai. Uh, post that, I gave a talk in PyData Mumbai as well, which is again a community-led initiative in Mumbai. Mm -hmm. So that's how, uh, based on the open source contributions, based on the blogs that I had written, based on the various talks that I had given, uh, there was a series of, uh, say, interviews taken by many individuals who are associated with this program. Mm -hmm. uh, a couple of Googlers also kind of uh, conducted interview rounds in terms of understanding my contribution so far and also understanding my technical skills in terms of machine learning and how uh, say I how comfortable I am with technologies like TensorFlow and the different concepts attached to it. So uh, I remember giving around four rounds uh, and uh, post the whole uh, process that happened then I kind of got selected into this prestigious program as well uh, which is uh, say carried out by Google. Uh, then uh, post that uh, I've been actively giving talks at various uh, events uh, due to the current uh, situation I'm not able to kind of go out and give talks uh, say physically but uh, whenever there are say small student groups organizing an event they kind of reach out to me and I kind of give them uh, different uh, sessions I conduct different sessions as well so that's the whole idea of how this event works it's more of a community-led uh, uh, initiative by Google wherein uh, Google wants to kind of uh, say share the knowledge that they have in mm -hmm. machine learning and data science to uh, the end students which are there and people who want to learn can benefit the most out of this uh, initiative as well. Yeah, that definitely makes sense to me as well because when you get involved with open source or the volunteering projects actually, it gives you more exposure. People don't understand because everything doesn't fall under the financial uh, aspect actually sometimes yes. you have to give back to the community so that community can follow you back actually so that way you can grow your network so it is very very valid point that why volunteering or the open source projects are important for anybody to grow in their profession so thank you for sharing that moving to your recent recognition which is like 40 under 40 data scientists so what do you think what efforts did you take to get nominated as that so, uh, the, so I remember uh, one of my colleagues uh, got a mail uh, stating that there is a nomination form that is floating around, which is for the 40 under 40 data scientist. So I thought of applying there as well. 
uh, in terms of the application form again a lot of factors go into consideration in terms of the selection the final selection to happen uh, based on my little understanding what they went through in depth was more of again the community contributions that i had made uh, the blogs that i had written and uh, more specifically uh, in terms of my professional career as well how much of an impact am i making in terms of uh, the data science or machine learning models that i'm creating mm-hmm. what is the overall return on investments that my company is gaining uh, what is my contribution to an x product that i'm kind of currently working on so they kind of look at uh, every profile very holistically in terms of the different contributions that a person has made uh, what is he actively doing for the open source community uh and what is the overall business impact that the person is creating in terms of uh, the projects that he is undertaking mm-hmm. uh, so given all the factors that were accounted for that is how i kind of uh, got selected for the prestigious 40 under 40 award as well yeah. that's a good achievement actually so congratulations on that part you, uh, you are really doing well for yourself so uh moving to your youtube content creation already you said that you know uh, you are very active you have like quite a huge uh, subscribers following you on the youtube so um, why do you think that, that like you know content creation is required and when did it start start for you and how do you manage along with your day to day job so uh, uh, so essentially i started off this as more of an activity mm-hmm. uh, which was very random i i don't know how i started this and what idea came to my mind but going back to the blog that i just mentioned in terms of the blog getting 25000 views mm-hmm. It was a very unique blog that I had written, uh, which is uh, explaining concepts like true positive, uh, false positive, true negative, and false negative in uh, form of a language which is very symbolic to how when Indians react. Yeah. So this was around uh, 2017 uh, November is when I wrote this blog. Uh, the 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 whole language that I had used was cricket, so people in India could kind of relate to yeah. uh, what true positive is, what false negative, and all of the concepts are. Uh, given the blog that i had written and i fo- i thought uh, let's kind of uh, start with uh, say an activity of creating a video uh, so if people get an opportunity to look at my channel uh, you will observe that the first video was uh, say very terrible in terms of the production quality of how a video should be uh, it uh, it was just more of a blog walk through that i had created uh, but essentially that gave me that right start in terms of how do you create content and uh, there was a lot of uh, criticism in terms of uh, the audio was not audible and uh, a lot of things happened uh, so i i kind of started from there and today i kind of create content which is like very uh, production grade so it's been a good journey in terms of creating content for a span of 3 years uh, so that was the start that i had and uh, on the job and why uh, so one thing that is very constant with uh, every everyone in data science and machine learning is you have to keep updating yourself you have to keep uh, learning new technologies uh, you have to keep learning new algorithms day in and day out so what i decided was uh, i wanted to uh, say not refer anyone else's content i wanted to create my own content which if at one point of time if i want to revise a concept like say what multicollinearity is or what pca is i don't want to fall back upon 10 different content and then uh i think are i am missing out on a different content that i think was better i wanted to say uh, if i am in a process of learning what multicollinearity is then i'll study every possible uh, say resource that is out there and create the most simplistic version of the content that is not already existing so uh, one unique thing about my videos or the content that i post is uh, everything's very uh, 
simplified so that if I down the line, if I refer a content say five years down the line as well, I should be able to get the concept in just that five or ten minutes. So that is how uh, simple I keep my content as well. And I follow it up with a say a code walk along as well. So here is where the notebook kind of uh, helps me a lot in terms of executing one cell at a time, so that I don't have to run through the entire code at once. Mm-hmm. So I've started creating content, and uh, yeah, I mean the channel is doing uh, significantly well in terms of uh, the views, in terms of the subscribers that are there as well. But yeah, it, uh, initially when I started off. Uh, every video or every content that I posted took good amount of time in terms of creating content, uh, conceptualizing the content, uh, writing a script according to that. So on an average, I spent around 10 to 12 hours in creating like a five minute video. Uh, uh, say uh, creating content is one thing, but then after that marketing your content, uh, say creating appealing thumbnails as well. Uh, then adding subtitles because uh, a bit of research at my end, I understood that videos with subtitles also get good amount of views as compared to videos uh, which do not have a subtitle. So I started annotating my videos with subtitles as well manually. So every video for me consumed good 12 to 14 hours initially. But uh, right now, since uh, say given the channels that I run, I run two channels currently. So given I have posted around 140 odd videos, uh, both the channels combined. So I I have a hang of creating content right now. So I spend around two and a half hours on every video right now. Uh, this is excluding the content conceptualization, but the execution for me right now takes around two and a half to three, three and a half hours uh, at max. And uh, that's how I'm able to deliver content, uh, keeping a balance with the, say the normal job that I'm doing as well. So yeah, that's how I manage. So definitely one valid point you mentioned is like, you know, try experimenting what works for you, what what works best for you. That is very important when you are getting into any career. And uh, second thing is once you find that path, actually don't give up. And uh, once once you keep practicing, actually one day you will be expert. Like as you said that initially you used to spend like 12 to 14 hours on video content. Now you reach to the time where you are spending only three to four hours. It is like a great achievement actually. So it is kind of an expert you are now in the YouTube content creation. So that's nice. And uh, moving towards your skill set actually, uh, you already mentioned that you are not hardcore programmer like that kind of a background you did your undergrad in a different but once you found your interest you started learning the python and everything so that clearly shows that python is your favorite programming language so um, what one has to do actually to learn any programming language and excel in that programming language do you think yeah i mean uh, in terms of understanding a programming language in terms of uh, say, be it any language, be it JavaScript or people who are, uh, say, dealing with different languages, one thing that kind of uh, boils down again is your understanding of what you're trying to solve and having a clear picture in terms of how you want to structure that code as well. So if you want to achieve a simple task from, say, X point to Y point, how do you structure the code and what code do you write in between is not that important, but how do you structure your code? How do you structure your thoughts? is where your understanding of writing code comes in very handy. Uh, So uh, although I may not come from like a proper uh, computer science or a a typical uh, programming background, but given I've always programmed in C, C++, given I I had to uh, program embedded controllers and uh, hardware devices, 
uh, the logic was always there uh, in in terms of uh, creating good code uh, that logic was there so that uh, given uh, the constraints that are there for people who code in electronics you always have the memory constraint i mean uh, running a uh, running a code on a full fledged os like a windows os or a linux os is different as compared to uh, running code on a simple small microcontroller or an arduino board or something uh, similar to those grounds as well so i've always had an exposure to coding i've always had this idea of how to write optimized code uh, but for every one who is trying to make uh, say or who's trying to understand how to write optimized code the structuring of uh, your uh, or structuring of how do you reach from point x to point y and having a clear vision in terms of what you want to achieve out of that code is very important and uh, then writing code comes with practice so the more you practice uh the more you understand what is good readable code uh what are sections in your code which are termed as dead code as well uh, how do you make good use of iterators so all of that comes with practice but uh, the fundamental idea still remains the same that you are given a problem to solve you are at point x you have to reach point y how do you structure the whole say movement is where your experience comes in handy and uh, with time you will kind of understand what do you uh, how do you optimize that route from reaching x to y as well yeah so this is very very important point i guess students can relate to that as well whoever is struggling to because a lot of questions i get from the students is that you know i am new to the data science and i am new to the programming where should i start and that kind of and i always tell that start with the simple course and then you know go like once you start feeling comfortable and finding the interest then you definitely level up yourself Yes. so unless until you didn't find that interest try exploring the things like you know don't just stick with somebody said that python is a good go for python try r as well there is yes. no harm like you know every programming language has some benefits yes. so it is just up to your interest that you know and once you find that you can just level up your skills in that particular so uh moving towards um you are data science and machine learning expertise actually so any interesting use case or the findings that you would like to share with the audience uh, so far like so, you remember that like you know this project or some some specific use case uh so i can so given uh, the organization's constraints that are there i wouldn't be able to share something from the organization mm -hmm. but uh, something that i can share is i was currently working on a project which is uh so, so this is something that i had been working from my final year as well which was nothing which had nothing to do with say machine learning at that point of time which was uh, in 2013 when i was doing my engineering during my final year i developed a braille calculator uh, now that is calculator for blind people so uh, you have a language for blind people which is which can detect uh, braille letters so every number is embossed uh, using a simple encoded language which will have like three uh, three uh, three rows and two columns so uh, for a number a you will have a representation wherein one of the dots would be raised or two of the dots would be raised and so on and so forth so there is like a pattern for understanding every letter or a number so i had created or a team of uh, or my team in final year engineering had created this project uh, which was a simple electronics project wherein uh, given a number that you punch in uh, it will automatically calculate uh, whatever calculations you want to perform and give out an output in form of rotations of the stepper motor so your motors will move and the blind person can actually touch the motor and uh, get the result in form of the language that he understands mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. He also created an audio output, which could also output an audio as well. So this was an uh, entire uh, what do you say, an electronic driven project. Oh, nice. So this was, yeah, so this was uh, something that I created in 2013. Uh, given uh, now, I have good amount of expertise in data science and machine learning. So in January of uh, this year itself, I had some time in between, and this was that time that I thought of picking up a project. So I kind of collected samples of images uh, for those embossings which are there, and I trained a convolutional neural network out of it, which could recognize the images uh, of those individual letters which are there. now uh, what i've created in terms of a product right now is uh, if you click on uh, if there is a braille transcript which a blind person wants to read he just has to open his uh, say uh, mobile phone click an image and uh, the audio would be outputted automatically so this is something that i've created in terms of a proof of concept uh, the model is highly accurate uh, the more data i get the more accuracy i can kind of reach to but given uh, the model that i created what it does is it kind of uh, goes uh, line by line and element by element mm-hmm. it understands which letter it is from the braille language uh, uh, it kind of collects all the letters uh, collects that in form of a sentence and then uh, using google text to speech uh, library which is available in python it kind of reads out the text that is there on the transcript uh, in audio format as well so essentially this can be integrated with google assistant that is what i'm currently working on so i can create a simple class api uh, which can be consumed by this uh, google assistant based system or maybe i can create an android app that can kind of detect this at real time as well so uh, this is something that i'm currently working on which is like a good impl- good uh, implementation of whatever you learn in terms of machine learning and how do you bring it for a good social cause as well so yeah, this, this is, is a, a, yeah. a great and interesting idea actually so uh, do you have this any anywhere in the public like you know where so, people can yeah, see yeah. so i have created a video around this i have not yet open sourced the code i am currently working on the android piece of it as well so i am currently learning android because i want to create an app out of it as well so uh, essentially once the whole uh, say the idea is ready then i'll kind of uh, share it across on my github account as well but right now the demo in terms of what the capabilities are uh, already exist on my youtube channel yeah so uh, feel free to share with me as well actually whenever you feel that it is ready i will sure. be happy to share it with my community as well because this sure, is a really good idea and i would love to support that um moving to your um, like you know um like one person asked this question actually if someone wants to move to data science profile in core companies like google facebook like big four so um what skills they should focus on in next two years do you have that vision like what skill set would be because this area is very evolving you can just maybe mention couple of skill sets those would be valuable for them yeah so essentially based on the discussions that i've had with a lot of my friends who've kind of couple of them have kind of made a transition to companies like facebook and all as well so a friend of mine is kind of working in facebook singapore right now uh, as a data science uh, professional so uh, based on the discussions that i've had with a couple of my friends what i feel uh, their hiring criteria uh, is more centered around the projects that you do how unique your projects are and what is the overall business impact that your project is creating again the roles that they hire for are very specific in terms of what their requirements are so uh, if they are hiring for say uh, a profile so he was shortlisted for a facebook 
uh, advertisement based data science role in uh, facebook singapore so essentially what happens is uh, everyone's or the job profile that they put out is very crystal clear in terms of their requirements so if uh, once you kind of go through their requirements as well you will understand what their requirements are and if the requirements match based on your profile then you have a good chance of being shortlisted in that role as well for an interview round mm-hmm. now the company has different say structures in terms of conducting interviews uh, if the role is say uh, programming heavy if it's more than a proof of concept based role wherein people want you to kind of deploy models end to end people want you like a software developer come a data scientist then people will make you go through the entire software engineering piece as well wherein they'll ask you questions on uh, say competitive platforms uh, wherein you will have to solve data structures and algorithms based questions you will have to write code on different uh, portals i remember a lot of my friends writing code on uh, google docs as well uh, which uh, uh, the interviewer also has access to so this is something that you'll have to go through if it's like a software engineering based role uh some companies also expect you to know cloud technologies like aws gcp uh, azure and the others as well so good amount of working knowledge is also what is essential in such kind of role and uh, one thing that uh, companies like google and facebook really stress a lot upon is the basic fundamental understanding of algorithms as well uh, if you mention any algorithm uh, be it say support vector machine or principal component analysis or random forest Uh, be sure to own up to that algorithm in terms of understanding the mathematics behind that algorithm uh, a lot of uh, places where i've seen a lot of uh, ent- uh, say resumes coming to me and when i conduct interviews as well people write fancy algorithm names just for the sake of writing it but uh, not a lot of people are able to own up to the algorithm choice why they've chosen an x algorithm over y algorithm uh, what does the al- algorithm do behind the scene in terms of mathematics as well is very important so companies do uh, ask you the fundamental idea behind the algorithm and why did you choose an x algorithm over y uh, what was the problem that you were trying to solve uh, how did you assess the algorithm's performance as well if you used say are you evaluating your model for a classification task based on accuracy or are you choice chasing f1 score or precision or recall or something of that sort so your fundamentals have to be clear uh, if it's more of a software oriented role then you are expected to write good quality production level code as well and if you are the one who is going to be responsible for some amount of deployment activities then having some amount of working knowledge in terms of uh, say docker and uh, the cloud technologies which are there would also be a good added advantage as well so yeah the field is evolving but uh, people expect you to know a lot of things as well so that's how i can kind of answer this yeah every 6 months you will hear something different actually so that is true that this uh, this is not yet like you know stable environment uh, to see the future like what would be there in next 2 years but definitely the things you mentioned out those are very important problem solving and analytical skills if you are appearing for any interview it is more important that you know you are clear on your understanding rather than you know just following something which you are reading it is something that kind of a processing has to happen on your end why it is happening so you always need to keep asking those questions because interviewer is going to look into those so that is very valuable actually i i feel that that person would be happy to hear your answer moving to um, kaggle plat- platform actually uh, uh, did you contributed to any uh, kaggle platform uh, competition and why would you recommend that to the people so uh... 
I mean, uh, in terms of Kaggle, Kaggle is a very amazing platform. Uh, I kind of use that in terms of, say, uh, understanding the new things that are coming up in terms of doing better exploratory data analysis. Uh, in terms of my Kaggle, uh, say, contribution, I'm not a very active Kaggler, so to say. Uh, I So I find it very difficult in terms of managing job, a YouTube channel and the other activities that I do to also find time for Kaggle. But uh, individually, what I feel is Kaggle as a platform is really good in terms of uh, giving you a good solid data. Uh, there may be objections in terms of uh, that's not how real industry data is and uh, that's not how real data science is. But what I feel is uh, in terms of getting the right CSV file, what do you do after that? What algorithm do you select? Uh, how do you uh, say approach a problem? What are the steps that you take in terms of deriving insights in terms of the exploratory data analysis? Which algorithms do you pick? How do you convert, say, different, uh, say, categorical variables into numeric? What are the different transformation techniques that you kind of encounter? Uh, so all of a lot of things are tied when you kind of pick up a Kaggle competition. For me, uh, one thing that I've actively used Kaggle is to learn uh, a lot from Kaggle kernels, which a lot of people contribute uh, in terms of open sourcing their own notebooks. So that's how I kind of use Kaggle. Uh, I want to say sometime participate in Kaggle competitions actively, but given the uh, schedule that I have, given the amount of things that I'm already doing, I find it very difficult to kind of uh, incorporate the whole Kaggle competition thing as well. Because, because the idea is uh, it devotes, it requires a lot of time for you to devote. Uh, you cannot just enroll in a competition and kind of get a good rank as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so I utilize it more of like a learning platform wherein I kind of open up random uh, challenges which are going on, go through the different notebooks which are there available as form of Kaggle kernels and try to learn as much as I can from Kaggle. Yeah, yeah. that is a valid point actually. Uh, if anybody is trying to see the open data sources actually before that, uh, now Google also provided the data sources like, you know, so you have a lot more data sources available which are open source and you can just try it out. But be before it wasn't there, uh, Kaggle was the first platform where you can go and explore your knowledge. So, and anyhow, like, you know, still it is like, you know, uh, has a lot of data, uh, even though it is a little more clean data, which is not like ideal situation, but for the practice, definitely it is a good platform to explore. Um, moving towards, like you talked a lot more about algorithms as well. It shows clearly your interest in the data science area. So, which is your favorite algorithm and why? So, uh, again, it's, it's very difficult to pick uh, one algorithm, uh, but uh, one thing that I use a lot, uh, if I have to get like the first version of an algorithm up and running is, uh, I like random forest a lot. I think uh, given uh, it kind of uh, gives you a very uh, good enough model, uh, say in the first version in terms of doing proper hyper parameter tuning as well. So uh, if I have to pick one without having to go into very comp something which is very complex, like a boosting algorithm and uh, something which is not as simple as say logistic as well, I would kind of uh, stick to like a balanced random forest. But again, it depends on case to case. I, I kind of uh, first understand what the problem is. Uh, what is the end expectation of the algorithm as well? What is the end expectation of uh, whatever I kind of uh, want to create? Uh, how is it tied up to? Uh, if the algorithm has, so one thing that is coming up really uh, actively right now is understanding your model as well. So model interpretability is of also prime concern. So if I have to explain an algorithm to an end user as well, I would 
say prefer a simpler algorithm uh, which i can explain to the larger audience as well a simple decision tree if i don't have a lot of features as well uh, doing good amount of hyperparameter tuning on decision trees can help you or can help uh, the business understand uh, why have we chosen x feature over say x2 feature and so on and so forth so if the idea is to use something which is simple and explain it to the end business then i'll go for simpler algorithms like logistic decision trees uh if the idea or the objective is to create something which is accurate irrespective of uh what the underlying algorithm kind of gives you now you have feature importances as well coming in from different algorithms like xgboost as well but if a feature or model interpretability is not of prime concern then i would uh, highly recommend the simpler algorithms if accuracy is of prime importance then i'll go in for something as complex as uh, xgboost as well so that is how i kind of so that is why striking a right balance i kind of go with random forest uh, a lot of times in terms of creating models yeah, yeah that is very valid and uh, uh, just to add it to that actually nowadays you have a lot of automated machine learning platforms as well which is making your job easier and giving you the best suitable model for that particular data set so it is now no more like you know your choice uh, there is a there are platforms which can predict it for you which would be the best and you can just go further selecting that model and fine tune that so now there are a lot of things are changing that that's what we and bhavesh both discussed that field is evolving so definitely you have to keep up to the you know uh, latest technology trends coming in in the data science field to uh, level up yourself so it is more over like a proactive work from your side moving towards the leadership style you are definitely going to lead the area you are passionate about the way you are talking definitely shows that so what is your leadership style or what is like kind of a leadership you always look for and any favorite leader that you follow so uh, my if i have to kind of say put words in terms of my leadership style then i would say i'm more of a democratic leader uh, i've kind of had the opportunity of working with interns i kind of work with a team right now i don't lead a team directly but uh, with people that i interact with i believe more of in terms of democracy in terms of giving or trying to absorb as many ideas that i can from my uh, peers uh, in terms of understanding what is right for business what is right for x project and then kind of thinking through every possible idea and then kind of creating uh, a road map that can kind of solve the end problem uh, so that is how i kind of uh, think of my leadership style which is a combination of something that is more democratic plus something that is more uh, say in tune with coaching uh, wherein uh, if uh, if my peers or if uh, people that i that have interned with me uh find it difficult in terms of solving a problem in terms of challenges that they are facing in terms of which algorithm to choose or what is the right approach of solving a problem i specifically spend time with them in terms of uh, guiding them through in terms of what are the next steps that they can take uh, what is the right road that they can take in terms of achieving a, a or creating or coming up with a solution so i'm more of someone since i kind of like teaching so i kind of like coaching people as well Uh, not spoon feeding them to the extent that i go on and solve the problem that kind of defeats the purpose but uh, giving them right direction uh, uh, in terms of uh, giving them the right path in terms of what they have to do uh, if they kind of uh, say uh, face a roadblock as well then they how do they overcome that roadblock is as well so giving them good amount of situations to play around with is my way of say dealing with uh, people whom i kind of interact with on a daily basis 
uh, in terms of uh, the leader that i kind of look up to uh, it has to be one of my ex bosses uh, his name is abhishek i worked i had the privilege of working under him at flexi loans uh, he is someone that i kind of really admire in terms of uh, the way he kind of leads the team so we were a team of four people uh, and uh, we were very eager in terms of uh, asking for new projects and pushing him to a different limit in terms of extracting new good work from him as well so he is someone that i have kind of imbibed a lot of my qualities from as well in terms of how you should lead a team uh, how you should kind of uh, give priority in terms of which projects should to pick up at what stage of time as well so he is someone in terms of uh, so he currently is the co-founder of a company called as flexi loans mm-hmm. so i kind of uh, i've learned i had the opportunity of working under him for a year and i've kind of learned a lot from him as well so yeah that's good actually thank you for sharing and uh, moving towards like if anybody founds their interest actually and they want to move towards the leadership roles uh, what would be the steps actually couple of things you already mentioned like you know getting into the volunteering open source building the community giving back to the community those are very valid point actually when you are growing towards the leadership side that you have your like you know, follow up and then the way you said that more being a creative so you are a content creator so it shows that you you are creative person yeah. so uh, apart from that anything else you would like to add to that that what person has to do if he finds his interest and wants to grow towards the leadership side so one thing that i can recommend is uh, that person should be open to criticism uh, open to positive criticism uh, the idea is uh, once you kind of uh, say send out content which is for the entire world to consume sometimes it may work sometimes it may not work some uh, videos may work some videos may not work some blogs may work some may not get that amount of appreciation that you predicted it to be so essentially you should be open in terms of understanding where you're going wrong so uh, based on my experience as well the initial videos that i used to create were very elementary in terms of their production quality so uh, the content was rich but a uh, couple of my colleagues from flexi loans again gave me this feedback that you should start improving the production quality that would kind of enhance the reach of your videos as well and i took it in a very positive manner i kind of uh, included all those uh, positive criticisms as well and then i started creating say better appealing content the core still remained the same but i started making it more presentable so that more people can start viewing it as well so people who are trying to say transition into like a leadership role uh, one recommendation that i can give at this stage is uh, be open to criticism uh, try that uh, say inculcate that habit of understanding uh, how one feedback can actually benefit you in the long run as well so that is something that i can recommend this is very very uh, i wasn't expecting that from you but yeah that is really very valid that uh, you have to be open for the criticism whether it is whatever kind of actually it is something that when you are growing uh, some people will like you some people will not like you so it is not like you know um, everybody should like you the way you are it is more over like uh, working on those things why they don't like you so uh, that keeps you improvising and uh, definitely that is very very valid point and very wise actually so thank you so much for sharing uh, last one is about tip and advice you gave lots of tips and advices actually uh, which is uh, very important for anybody who is looking to move into the atr they are interested in uh, anything specific again to end up this podcast you would like to mention so uh, something that i would like to mention is for people who are say planning to make a transition into data science and machine learning uh, 
uh, I'll I'll not beat around the bush by saying you can learn data science and machine learning in three days, three weeks, or three months. It's it's a good amount of journey that you'll have to be up and ready for. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of uh, say the learning graph, you will have to keep learning every day. The technologies would keep evolving. An algorithm that was very active, say five years back, might not be in use today. So uh, be open to learning new things. Uh, the the whole process of learning things is never gonna end. Uh, if you end up in a role wherein uh, you are expected to be a data engineer, come data science. So I currently handle the end-to-end pipeline for my uh, say product as well. So essentially, I am the data engineer. I am the data scientist. I uh, I am the guy who kind of comes up with business problems as well. So. I handle the end-to-end life cycle of a project. I am the product, so-called product manager as well. So be open to exploring new things. Be open to uh, experimenting with new things. It's okay to fail. Uh, a lot of people uh, kind of have this fear that if this project is not executed, then what will happen? It's okay to fail. It's okay to fail and then uh, also come back uh, even stronger in terms of trying hard. So uh, that is something that I can mention. For people who are specifically kind of uh, say thinking of transitioning into a data science or an ML role, mathematics is your bread and butter. Uh, if you are not very comfortable with mathematics, then ideally uh, this is not that right field for you because uh, essentially all the discussions that I have with my boss as well are more mathematics heavy rather than say just about coding or what the module is doing. So you have to be comfortable with mathematics. You should enjoy maths. I mean, for me, if given an algorithm, I try to sit down and understand the nitty-gritties of how the algorithm works. Although at the end, I would write just three lines of code in terms of importing the module from sklearn, fitting it and then predicting. But what goes behind the scene makes me choose that algorithm over the other algorithm as well. So be comfortable with mathematics. Uh, uh, If you're not coming from a coding background as well, uh, it's okay. Uh, But if you keep practicing coding as well, there are a lot of competitive sites that give you that opportunity as well. Uh, Then that transition would be very seamless. Uh, Kaggle as a platform as as well is very uh, powerful in terms of building a good data science portfolio. You can participate on a lot of competitions. uh, Try to secure a rank in the top 5 or top 10% of the total competitors that are there. Uh, that will give you a good bullet point on your resume as well. So yeah, in terms of closing note, uh, that's the only thing that I could say. And uh, yeah, keep starting. And uh, yeah, hopefully everyone's going to make the transition whoever is watching the video. Yeah. So uh, I'll just conclude in a such a way that, you know, be an explorer open to the new learnings and find out your interest first, actually. So if you are an explorer, that will definitely give you an opportunity what area you are interested in and then proceed further and grow in that area. So thank you so much, Bhavesh. And it was really, really cheerful conversation. uh, And I really enjoyed to have you on my podcast. So thank you so much. And people hope you will also enjoy this episode. I will provide all the details about Bhavesh YouTube channel and as well as his LinkedIn profile. So if you feel like following him up, he's definitely a true trainer and the, uh, he's a good at mentoring the people, I feel. So definitely reach out to him and he will be a good point of contact for you. So thank you so much. And until we meet, happy reading. Let's live together.